right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our daily power parsha. So um, I want to formally welcome everybody, Charna, Max, and Joy, and we have Ray, and we have Donna, and we have Matt. It's great to see you all. Um, okay, so we're starting a new week and a new Torah portion discussion. So I'll tell you, because we, uh, we always love doing this, um, especially when we have uh, the opportunity for a double header, we always take it. So this week, once again, we have a double Torah portion. And the portions are Achare and Kedoshim. Achare Mot and Kedoshim. The, um, the word Achare Mot means after the death. After the death. And it's, uh, as we'll see soon, um, the, the death that we're speaking of is the death of the two sons of, of Aaron, the high priest. So the Torah tells us about, uh, once again, reviews their passing and talks about the aftermath of that and, uh, and kind of, you know, some, some things that happen. And then the second portion is called Kedoshim, and it speaks about Kedoshim means holy, and it speaks about what it, what it looks like to live a holy life. I will tell you that there's a, a long-standing Jewish, I don't know if it's a joke or, you know, some sort of tongue-in-cheek humor that, uh, that says, kedoshim. after someone passes away, we always speak, uh, they're always holy, right? After death, kedoshim, everyone's holy, right? We always say good things about somebody after they're passing, which actually is not uh, a cynical thing. It's actually a good thing. It's a good thing to look for the positive in a person um, after they passed away. But what the Torah portion very directly of Achare begins with, Achare Mot begins with, is a discussion about Yom Kippur. It's a discussion about how to enter the Holy of Holies. Can I ask a yeah, for sure. Question, please? Yeah. Okay, so, well then, so it's kind of like a, maybe a bit of a regret when someone passes. Also, you feel, oh, I didn't recognize this or I wasn't yeah. appreciative and it's not really what I thought. So does, does that cause more regret for the person? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, we speak, generally we speak of only the positive of a person after they're passing. It could come from a place of, you know, clarity and perspective. It can also come from a place of, you know, not wanting to cause the soul of, uh, of the one who passed away any harm by judging them harshly. And it's also a shift in perspective. You know, we might see things that we didn't notice before, we didn't, you know, pay attention to. So all, all of the above is, is true. But it I'll, shouldn't make the person that's changing their perspective feel bad. No, no, I don't think it's about feeling bad. I think, look, I mean, we might feel bad if we feel like we missed an opportunity to, to say the kind words when that person was alive. I think that often happens where people regret not saying things before a loved one passes away. Maybe it's a message then to, to say more of the kind, loving things. And, you know, why wait till someone's gone before we speak good of them? Let's do it while, they're, while, they're, while they can listen and, and appreciate it. Maybe that's a lesson. Should we feel bad about not doing it? I don't know. I don't know that feeling bad about something is, you know, is that constructive. I think it's more about, you know, the, the message is if... You know, if we think about all the people in our lives that have, that have benefited us and that have helped us, that have blessed us, and we think about all of the, the missed opportunity or all the, 
all the opportunities that we've had to, to acknowledge that and to let them know how much it's meant to us and that, that we haven't necessarily taken, I think that might, that might stir us, that might um, encourage us to, to reach out and to say thank you. Whether it's to you know, maybe a teacher that was influential in our lives you know, when we were young or to a mentor or to a friend, a colleague, a family member, you know, to reach out, it's always a good thing. So maybe the message is don't wait till Achare Mot for Kedoshim. Don't wait to honor them and to right. speak of their... Focusing on the positive and not... Yeah, I, I would say to focus, yeah, definitely on the positive. Right. All right, so, but great point, great, uh, great addition. So the Torah portion of Achare Mot, the first, of, uh, the first of the two of this double portion, speaks about, um, speaks about going into the Holy of Holies. And it explains in the context of the death of Aaron's sons that the only one who's allowed to go into the, um, who's allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, which is the holiest space in the tabernacle, in the temple, is the high priest and only once a year. So we have here a confluence of three entities, time, space, and spirit. Time, space, and spirit. And very often in Judaism, these three, these three elements, these three elements are coinciding. Time, one day a year, Yom Kippur. Space, one place on earth, the Holy of Holies. And spirit or soul, one human being on earth, the high priest. I mentioned a few weeks ago that before, um, I think it was the end of the Torah portion of... I want to say maybe Tzav, which is going back a, a, a few weeks. So the, the high priest would quarantine himself inside the, uh, the temple for seven days before Yom Kippur. Because it was such a holy day, because it was such a holy service, he literally slept there. He quarantined himself there to absorb the holiness and to be able to to be in the right zone for this very special day. So I want to share a few things about the, uh, about the Yom Kippur service and about the Torah's discussion of that that I think might be, might be meaningful. So I want to share my screen. Let's do that right now. Hold on. Wait a second. Okay, let's do this. Share screen. Acharei Kedoshim. Here we go. Torah reading. Boom. Okay, can you see that? Torah reading for Acharei Kedoshim? Yes? Okay, fantastic. Okay, so you see here how the Torah portion begins. This is the opening of Leviticus chapter 16. And look at the opening verse. It kind of sets the context. And the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons when they drew near before the Lord and they died. So it's setting up the context of kind of like a cautionary tale. Like they died. Make sure that doesn't happen again. And this is what you need to be careful about. So this is verse number two. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to your brother Aaron that he should not come at all times into the holy within the dividing curtain in front of the cover that is upon the ark, so that he should not die. For I appear over the ark cover in a cloud. Basically what God is saying is, God says to Moses, tell Aaron 
that it's not open season. It's not whenever you want, just go into the Holy of Holies and go in front of the Ark. That, that should not happen. Why should you not do that? So, why should he not do that? So that he should not die. In other words, if he does that, if he just goes in whenever he wants, then that will be the fate of his two sons, of Aaron's two sons, who passed away. So that is, that is a death sentence. Um, why? Because God says, I appear over the ark cover in a cloud. The implication is that there's a level of sanctity. There's a level of holiness there in that space that is not accessible to a human being in a, um, in a normative fashion on a regular basis. It's only accessible at a certain time, in a certain context, and to a certain person. Only the high priest on Yom Kippur in that space, that's the only time that it works. Okay. One other thing that we notice is with regard to the garments of the high priest. Now, we discussed this, uh, I think we may have discussed this a, a, a number of weeks ago when we first started. I, I don't remember which Torah portion we started with. I would have to look back at, uh, at my notes. But it might have been, I don't know if we did it then, but whatever, there's a discussion in the Torah regarding the big day kahuna, the garments of the Kohen. And a regular Kohen wore four articles of clothing for the service, four specific priestly garments. A Kohen Gadol, a high priest, wore eight garments. And all eight of those garments were woven with strands of gold or had some sort, or were made of gold, had some sort of gold material or gold mixed in with it. But on Yom Kippur, on the holy day of Yom Kippur, when the, when the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, did the service, he only wore, for that service, he only wore white linen garments, no gold. Can you guess why no gold? Why do you think he didn't wear any gold? Why do you think he specifically avoided wearing gold? What does gold remind us of? A negative? What sin was involved with gold? Coveting money, golden calf. The golden calf. The golden calf. That's right, the golden calf. Because of the golden calf, and we don't want to remind God on Yom Kippur of the golden calf, right? We want to be asking for forgiveness and atonement. So therefore, he goes not in gold garments, but as you see in verse number four, he shall wear a holy linen shirt. That's holy with the that's holy, um, like kadosh, not one that's holy because of moths. You're with me on that. That was a joke, right? So he should wear a holy linen shirt and linen pants shall be upon his flesh and he shall gird himself with a linen sash and wear a linen cap. These are the holy, gar these are holy garments and therefore he shall immerse himself in water and don them. Basically, he has to go to the mikvah, to the ritual bath, and then he puts on these special garments made only of white linen. Why white? White is a symbol of purity, and the linen was also a, a, a symbol of, of humility and purity, and that is the context in which he goes in, to the Holy of Holies. There's another implication here, and that is, I don't know, maybe linen clothing is expensive today, but back in the day, linen was a very simple, linen wasn't the most luxurious fabric, you know, there's wool, there's silk, there's other fabrics that are maybe more luxurious. Linen was, was deemed to be a little bit more simple. The message here also is that you don't go in front of God with gold. 
right? You don't go pretentiously. You don't stand before God, you know, look at me, I've attained all this gold. Hey God, are we ready to speak yet? I mean, that's not, that's not how one approaches God, right? How do we approach? We approach God with humility, with simple, with a simple um, wardrobe, so to speak, not just physically, but, uh, but, but, but spiritually. We approach with simplicity, simple, white, pure linen garments, unadorned. You know, it's not only that we avoid gold because of the golden calf, we also avoid gold because of the implication or kind of the, the air around that, which is more of, you know, ego and uh, self-importance and aggrandizement. If we really want to want to be in that space, one-on-one with God, that is that is the uh, the right atmosphere in which we are to do it in a spirit of humility. There's also this notion that why is it? This is taught in in, in Kabbalah. Why is it that the one day a year that the high priest goes into the holy of holies is Yom Kippur? Why that day? Why is, why is that considered to be the holiest day of the year? What is it about that day that makes it so holy? If you want to tell me that, you know, it's such a holy space that the high priest can only go in there once a year, okay, I, I, can, I can kind of get that. You know, it's not, a, it's not a casual place where you stroll in whenever you want. It's by appointment only, and God says, you know, one day a year. But why is that day Yom Kippur? Why not... I don't know, any other, any other day or any other holiday or any other just normal day that's made for, to be that day. Why is it Yom Kippur? So we know, of course, what is the day of Yom Kippur associated with? Help me out. Unmute yourself. What is it the day of? The day of Yom Kippur? Atonement. Atonement. It's a day of atonement and forgiveness. And this reveals the power of that day and why it's so holy and why the high priest went into the Holy of Holies specifically on the Day of Atonement. Why? What is atonement about? Atonement is not just saying, I'm sorry, and asking for forgiveness. That's not the true meaning of atonement. As I've said many times, and you've heard me, I'm sure, at some point you've heard me say this, atonement in English has such a beautiful, deeper message. And you can read the word atonement as at one mint. Not atonement, but at one mint. It's a day in which we are at one with our creator. Let me explain. Some, if somebody does something they shouldn't have done, let's say in a relationship, right? So two people are, let's say either it's marriage or it's parents and children or any close relationship, close friendship. Let's say one party does something disrespectful to the other. Let's say someone does something not nice to the other and the other one gets, is, is hurt by it, right? It's they, 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 um, they're pained by the actions of the other party. So how do you fix it? How do you fix it? Okay, one way is you go over to them and you say, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I, will you forgive me? I'm so sorry. I, I'll never do it again. Okay, there's something about that, that that might be, you know, acceptable, that might feel, you know, honest and genuine, and the person might say, I forgive you. If it happens again, uh, okay, maybe also forgive you again, but the, so one, one approach to forgiveness is to, for each and every indiscretion to kind of, you know, follow up and ask for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. 
But there's a much deeper approach, and that's really the approach of Yom Kippur. You know, imagine, and, and again, imagine their relationship scenario. If the person who did the wrong goes over to the other and says, look, I have not been thinking about you as I should. I haven't been putting you number one as I should. I've been putting myself first, you know, putting me over you, you know, me over we, you know, for a little while now. And that's, that's really, uh, um, that's really the cause of what's, you know, of, of, of what's going on. And I, I am committed from here on out to putting you first. I value you. I love you. I care about you. I respect you. And I'm, I'm putting you first because I, 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 truly, I truly love you and I truly value you. That's a different type of apology, right? That's a different type of approach than to say, I'm sorry for forgetting your birthday. I'm sorry for, you know, not taking out the trash when you asked me to. I'm sorry for saying that thing that was not nice. That's apologizing for the action. The other, the other modality that I'm presenting is, it's not apologizing over an action, but it's shifting, it's acknowledging the state of mind and heart that one has been in, and it's, it's um, pledging to shift that. And what is the shift? The shift is, from here on out, I am with you. I'm not separate. I'm not doing my own thing and therefore, you know, susceptible to, to hurting you in whatever way. I am pledging from here on out, you're number one. I am here with you. That is the energy of Yom Kippur. I know on Yom Kippur we stand there and we say, Alchet, for this sin and for that sin. And we do go through the list of details. But it's much deeper than the details. The day of Yom Kippur is a day in which we stand and recommit ourselves to the relationship. It's not about the specific thing as much as it is about the recommitment to the relationship, about saying, us saying to God, God, looking back, we haven't always put you first. We've put ourselves first very often. And because of that, we've done things that we shouldn't have done. Or I've, if we speak in the first person, I've done things that I shouldn't have done. And therefore, on this day of Yom Kippur, I am, I am with you. I am pledging to be here for you, be here with you, and put you number one and not put you off to the side. That's what, what I mean by Yom Kippur being a day of atonement, of at one It's a day to kind of recommit to our relationship with God. So it's not so much the details. It's about the more essential connection that we're reestablishing on that day. Does that make sense what I'm saying about reestablishing a connection versus apologizing for a specific, you know, thing? Make sense? Okay. It's about reestablishing a connection and that's so much deeper than, than, the, than just apologizing over a behavior. And that's why it was the day in which the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. Because what is the Holy of Holies? It's, it's, it's where God is. When is a human being, even the high priest, when is he able to go into that Space, one-on-one, it's only on the day of at-one-ment. It's only on the day in which that's the energy of the day, the day in which we are now once again renewed and, and, and reconnected on the deepest level, on that deep 
relationship, one-on-one connection level with God. That's why it's the perfect day to go in to the Holy of Holies. There are other great days. Passover is a wonderful day. The anniversary of the giving of the Torah is a wonderful holiday. Shavuot. Sukkot is a great holiday. Rosh Hashanah is a great holiday. You have all these wonderful days. You have all these wonderful days and opportunities, but the bottom line is the most, the day in which we are the closest with God in the context of that kind of one-on-one relationship is definitely, without a doubt, the day of Yom Kippur. And that's why Yom Kippur is such a, such a special day. I want to share with you, I think, one more idea, and then we're going to close it out. So, I mean, there's so much to speak about. But I'll share with you this. And it's not necessarily tied into any specific verse, but it's an overarching statement from the Talmud. The Talmud says that Rabbi Akiva said, that God, quoting from a verse, it says, God is like a mikvah. We spoke about a mikvah last week, a ritual bath, a, ba- a ritual purification cleansing bath. Not the physical, not a physical bath, but a, a spiritual cleansing bath. It says, God is like a mikvah. Just like a mikvah purifies, so too God purifies. And the question is asked, all right. It's a nice uh, analogy that's given, but do we need the analogy? I mean, do we need this just like a mikvah purifies, so too God purifies? Yeah, God God cleanses us when we recommit to God, as I just mentioned. When we reconnect to God, when we say to God, we're putting you first, (coughs) God cleanses us, God absolves us of uh, of our stuff. So why the need to, uh, to draw the analogy from a mikvah? I'll share with you an amazing explanation that the Lubavitcher Rebbe once gave. When it comes to a mikvah, a mikvah works in a very interesting way. A person might be ritually impure for two different reasons. They might have come in contact with one element of impurity, and they also might have come in contact with another element of impurity. So here's the question. What happens if a person has a double whammy? Remember that game whammy? What was that game called? That, that, that uh, no whammy, no, there was, whatever. If you know the name, remind me. Remember that game show? Yes? No? Okay, doesn't matter. So, if a person is hit with a double whammy, let's say an impurity that's going to last for seven days, and another impurity that only lasts, let's say, for one day. So here's the question. Is there any value in going to the mikvah after the first day to rid oneself of the first or of the, of the one-day ritual impurity? If anyway, they still have another six days for the other one, it seems like a wasted exercise. Does, does my question make sense? Should I restate it? I'll say it one more time. Let's say a person has two forms of impurity. They contacted two different things. And one of the things, I'm not going to give a specific example because it could be any number of examples, but whatever. And let's say the one thing made them impure for a full seven days and the other thing made them impure just for one day. So here's the question. After the first day, right? Let's say they they got that both impurities on the same day. After day one, should they go to the mikvah to be, to be released from the, from the one-day impurity? Or is there no point because they anyway have a seven-day impurity 
that's on their record or that they need to go to the mikvah in another six days for anyway, so might as well wait. In other words, even if you go to mikvah now, you're not going to be fully cl cleansed and purified because you still have another element of impurity. So is there any point? The halacha is, Jushla says you go. You go to mikvah after the first day. Why? Because you get rid of whatever impurity that you can as you can lift it, as you can lift away from it. So even though you're not going to fully cleanse for another six days after that, nonetheless, you can get out of this smaller level of impurity. You can, eat, you can like escape a little bit of the impurity by going to the mikvah right now. And the Rebbe says this is such a beautiful lesson in life, and this is why Rabbi Akiva likens God to the mikvah. Why? Because just like a mikvah purifies someone who anyway is going to stay impure, but it lifts them a little bit out of the impurity, so too God accepts our teshuva even if there are other areas that we still need to improve. Does that make sense? Even if we, we're not, we haven't fixed everything, but we're working on one thing, God cleanses us of that one thing even though we still have more things to work on. We should never, and this is the final message that I want to share today, we should never look at life and spiritual growth and spiritual, I don't know, change or accomplishment as all or nothing. Like either I do all of it or I shouldn't even bother. So often our tendency is to look at things as all or nothing and therefore to just give up before we start. Like we say, Shabbat. 24 hours or maybe 25 hours of Shabbat. I, I haven't done it before. It's, it seems too long. It seems daunting. Forget it. I can't do Shabbat. That's taking an all or nothing approach. What if, what if we would tell ourselves, wait a second. Yeah, there's a full 25 hours for the whole thing, but let me do the first few hours. Let me light Shabbat candles, say some prayers, sing some songs, and go into a wonderful Shabbat meal to start off Friday night, to start off Shabbat in the Shabbat spirit. Maybe that's doable. And, and the message here is, just like a mikvah works incrementally, God also works incrementally, and we should also work ourselves incrementally. Let's take steps. So if we're not going to do the whole thing, if we're not ready for that yet, let's, what are we ready for? What step can we take? Maybe we have a list of 10 things that we want to work on. Okay, we look at the whole list, it becomes very daunting. Who hasn't woken up on, on a morning on occasion and been overwhelmed before we even start our day just thinking about all the things we had to do? Because if you think about it all, it can become overwhelming. What's the, what's the etza? What's the advice? What's the, what's the path forward? It's not to look at everything. Any, uh, you know, any advice that you would ever get on, on, on kind of you know, time management or... you know. Um, managing our, our ta task management, any, the, the first advice is write everything down or whatever, organize things and address them one at a time. Because one at a time, life is manageable. All at once, life can become very overwhelming. So the final message I'd like to leave you with today is that look at life as a series of challenges, as a series of growth opportunities. Never, never hold back from taking that first step just because you're not ready to take all the steps right now. The other steps will come 
after the first step. Just to share a, a silly anecdote. I don't know, silly, whatever. Maybe it's not going to relate 100%, but in my head, it, it relates perfectly. So maybe it'll come across to you that way also. I studied for a year in yeshiva in London. And we were in a suburb of London, Hampstead Garden suburb. And that's where the yeshiva was. We didn't get out to the big city, the big city, to London, you know, to the actual city often. On Fridays, we would go out to, uh, to visit the Jews working in various businesses and wrap tefillin with them or give them, you know, Shabbat candles or whatever it was. We would, you know, go out on Fridays a little bit to the city, but not sightseeing. You know, people find out that you went to school in London. It's like, oh, what sites did you see? We were pretty much looking at the Talmud and, uh, and, 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 and helping the community out. That was, our, that was our focus. But there was a time where there was a, there was a, a, some, a, a break, a few, I don't remember, it was a few days, maybe a week of, of a break from, from the yeshiva, from the schooling. And so, you know, we, we were learning on our own, but we had some time to, uh, to kind of see the city finally. So I remember we took the, uh, a friend, a friend uh, I think it was a few of us, so we took the, the tube, we took the um, public transportation, the subway, or whatever it is in, in London, and we went to the city. And we were, we were trying to see the bridge. What is the bridge called? I think it's called the Tower Bridge. Yes, Tower Bridge, is that the bridge in London? Yes, there's London Bridge, but I think that's falling down. So I think this is called the Tower Bridge. London Bridge? Huh? No, that was a joke, London Bridge. Anyway, yeah, the t- <laughs> um, yeah the, there's, I think there's a bridge called the Tower Bridge, which has, which has like, it's very ornate and beautiful. Whatever, and it's the Big Ben is there and all, that, all this wonderful stuff. It's been, it's been a few years, but my, if my memory serves, serves me correct, that's what it's called. Anyway, I get out of the subway. I, I get out of the tube. I come, you, know, you walk up the, up the stairs, and you're now on street level. I remember we're walking toward it. Um, this is before smartphones and GPSs, and you know, we were finding our way with a map, and you know, back in the old days, the old country, and we, you know, we came, you know, walked through a few buildings and around a few blocks, and suddenly, ah, oh, we got a glimpse of the bridge, and I pulled out my camera again before digital cameras, pulled out my camera, or maybe it wasn't, I don't know, I don't remember, I pulled out my camera and I took a picture. Wow, it's so beautiful, so like so gorgeous. And then we kept on walking down more streets around, more bends and whatever. I got a better view. I took another view. I took another picture. And I kept on taking more pictures as we got closer. I ended up with like a half a dozen pictures of the same bridge. And I could have just waited to the last picture to get to the last stop, you know, in front of the bridge to get the whole thing. But I was so excited as, you know, going on. So I don't know. In my head, this connects to the idea of step by step. And you can't get to the final step without the first step. Maybe I could have gotten the, the, other, the other pictures without the first picture, but you can't get to the big steps without taking those first steps. That's the truth in life. The truth in life is unless we're brave enough to make that first step that seems insignificant or that our Yetzirah tells us is insignificant because it doesn't want us to take, take any steps. Unless we're brave enough to take that first step, we're not going to get, we're not going to make the progress that we need to make. So as Rabbi Kiva says, God is like a mikvah, right? Just like a mikvah purifies incrementally, step by step, even if there are bigger steps, even if there are bigger challenges out there that we haven't yet faced, that we haven't yet overcome, the mikvah embraces us where we are, God embraces us where we are. And we should embrace ourselves where we are and what we're ready for. 
So in conclusion, I'd like to quickly recap as many of the, uh, the points that I mentioned um, thus far. Number one, Achremot Kedoshim. We tend to honor those that we love after their passing. Let's honor and acknowledge and thank those that mean a lot to us uh, while they can still hear, while they can still hear, while they can still appreciate it. It's really meaningful for a person to, to be acknowledged and to, to feel that gratitude. Let's be the ones who give that gift to those who have been meant so much to us in our lives. Don't wait to achremot to do the kadoshim. Don't wait to honor the other one till after they are no longer able to hear us in a physical way. That's the first point we mentioned. This is uh, with help from Donna for clarifying that point. So this is a bit of a tag team uh, uh, insight. Um, the other insight that I shared was about the simplicity of the white linen garments. Right? We don't have to feel like the only way to step before God is in our gold and ornate garments. In fact, that might be a bit of a presumptuous way to stand before God. The high priest went into the Holy of Holies wearing simple white garments. And the message is, simple is beautiful. Pure is beautiful. God loves us as we are without needing to, uh, to pretend that we're someone else or be fancier than, uh, th th than needed. Um, we also spoke about the, the power of the Day of Atonement as not being about, you know, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry for that, but really about pledging. It's about renewing the relationship, our relationship with God. It's a day of at one mint. It's a, it's a day of being one with God once again. It's not about, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. It's a day of, God, I missed the boat. I've been looking a different direction. I've been... I've been distracted and now I'm here with you. And it's on that day that a person is face to face with God once again. That's the best day for the Kohen Gadol, for the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies. And the last point that I mentioned was, of course, about the purification of the mikvah and, and of God and of, within ourselves. The notion that even if we have other challenges that we're not yet ready to conquer, it doesn't mean we shouldn't climb the mountain right in front of us. It's that first step that leads to all of the other steps afterwards. We should never desist in taking that first step out of fear of, you know, can I really make all of the steps? That's not a good way to start. That's not, that, that doesn't help us with our growth. So let's be encouraged. God loves us. Whatever steps we're willing to take, we should love ourselves with whatever steps we're willing to take. The main thing is to keep on taking steps. Like I said before about Shabbat, one hour, two hours, three hours, whatever, the Friday night, Friday night plus Shabbat morning, whatever we're ready to do, let's jump right in and, and keep on growing. I appreciate you all. I'll acknowledge you and, and thank you for being here. Um, I'm not going to only say thank you after you've already logged off from this session. I'll say thank you right now. So thank you for joining me today for the Daily Power Parsha. Um, I, I value the time that we have together in these noon, noon sessions. Um, to study Torah, to study the Torah portion, and to have a good discussion. Um, I do want to mention that we are starting a brand new series tonight called Miracles. It's going to examine the nature of the supernatural. It's a four-part series, 7.30 p.m. You can find more information and RSVP on our website, intownjewishacademy.org. And the website, the, the direct address is probably intownjewishacademy.org slash Miracles. If I had to guess, that's the, uh, that's the direct link. 
Um, all right, you can feel free to jump in, chime in, ask questions, um, or we can all sign off. All good. All good? Good. Great to see you all from Atlanta and from the Holy Land. Navi, great to see you. All right. Awesome. Take care, everyone. Have a great day. Hope to see you later. Um, either way, hope to see you tomorrow. All right. Thank you. Pleasure, pleasure. To good health.